0: It is the nightcap here on VEASAN hour number two. Dan Leach, Tim Murray, and uh, you get your horse racing fix? You feeling good?
1: Oh, my God. that and Kenny's so good, Kenny Rice. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am, like, really fired up. Two days away, man. I Listen, I'm not, like, you know, some kind of horse expert, but I've really over the last, I would say, five to six years really got – I mean, I'm betting Australian horse racing at 2-3 in the morning Eastern, so doing some supers and some, you know, exact fives. I love it. Uh, I know that some people just tune in a few times a year, but it really is. It's a beautiful sport. As, as we talked with Kenny, there's a lot of issues. All the horses at Santa Anita have died and all the other stuff, but at, at its purest. And a lot of times, triple crown days are that it is a beautiful sport. So I hope that another, I, I hope the horse racing keeps going in a good way.
0: And, uh, I, I'll, I, uh, I, I fired you just
1: on? Did a perfect exact, exact five ticket, Didn't you?
0: I, I fired on hot rod. Charlie. We'll talk to Banksy tomorrow. Uh, uh, the yeah. artist?
1: <laughs> is, he a, is he doing a horse piece?
0: Uh, so he'll join us uh, in studio as he always does, Marcus Banks. So uh, we'll, we'll chat with him. But um, yeah, I will throw a little bit on crowded trade. Uh, yeah, why not? I'll listen yeah, to. Got listen, uh, to, Kenny listen to Kenny. Um You know we gotta a Phoenix and and Portland. What are we doing? Let's let's pick it up here. I, t- I called for a big second quarter for you. Forty
1: four to forty three, man. This is this is not great. This is so. You, let's say you get to a hundred and five. And you would need a hundred and thirty ish.
0: Yeah. I think that could
1: happen. You just you need a seventy point quarter.
0: Yeah, we're not we're not Let's go. we're not looking good here. Uh, not a great start. Phoenix up 44-43 uh, over the uh, the Portland Trailblazers. And
1: right I need now. an extra innings explosion, it looks like, with this this Texas Houston game. It's three uh, three, the over nine, top of the ninth. Uh, I just think that I'm gonna need one of those things where they both score one run in the, the tenth, and then I don't care who scores the next run. Let's go. <laughs> I haven't lost yet since I've been here. This will be my first loss. Keep mushing yourself over there. I told you reverse mush because I said I'm probably going to lose that. It's a total reverse trend.
0: Well, w- once again, uh, as you look at a total in the Rangers and Astros, going to extra innings isn't the worst thing. No. I mean, you that is you up the under. that is where the unders have just gone to die. And uh, we'll see what happens here. Rangers and Astros, 3-3. It was what, 3-3 in the fourth? 3-3 the third. Oof.
1: Hey, by the way, it was the game. The White Sox. I had a total in a White Sox game last week. They scored eight runs in the top of the first, and they did get the over until the eighth inning. That was that was a sweat. That was very fraught. How do you score eight runs in the first and no one scores another run for seven innings? Ridiculous. Um, we well, got there though. I got there. I'm not complaining. It's just complaining. that was not. It was more stress. I had to have a couple yogurts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to eat yogurt that late at night.
0: Uh, so once again, 44, 43. Uh, remains the score in the final NBA game of the night. Just going back to some of the props in that one, uh, C.J. McCollum continues to play at a exceptional Incredible. level right now. Uh, he w- went off at 22 and a half. It is over last night, and uh, he's already got 17 points. Damian Lillard sitting there with 12 points as he hits a couple of free throws. It's now uh, up to 13. So Damian Lillard with 13 points. You were talking about the magic number last night of what, 55? 55. They, and they got hit,
1: it by a point. They hit 56. I said if they got over 55, we were going to both get that. We were to win. The Portland was going to win.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, to your point, uh, we'll you know we'll see how this this game unfolds uh, throughout the evening. But, you know, you stayed off this game just because of the back-to-back nature. And uh, maybe that was the right call. 46-45. Uh, we need a, a, a good finish to the half here.
1: I'll set a number for you. If Lillard and McComb combined for 60 tonight, Ooh. you're definitely winning your over. All right. There we go. And everyone else that obviously smartly listened. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean that, or faded, you know. No. Hey, whoever, it just we were here to to help you win some money. So uh, Warren Sharp going to join us here in just a moment. Talk about the uh, the NFL schedule release. Aaron Oster, our producer, is on the Marlins tonight. A little uh, Trevor Rogers action. Uh, you know, this guy has been unbelievable he really this has. year. And we were talking uh, late last week when Jacob Degrom went on the IL. At 33 to 1, would would Rogers be a guy to to look at for the NL Cy Young? I said, you know, maybe. Once again, though, he hasn't pitched a full season before. Last no. year was his rookie year. He pitches seven games as a north ERA north of six. He's been un-
1: unbelievable, but fifth in ERA. Yep. Uh, one point oh eight whip whip and uh fifty strikeouts so far, four and two tied for tenth in the in the league. That's pretty impressive early on. One-nothing Marlins. Over the Arizona Diamondbacks in the bottom of the
0: fifth inning. Stocks of football with Warren Sharp next. We keep it rolling here. It is the Nightcap live from the Circus Sportsbook in Las Vegas. That is Dan Leach. I am Tim Murray. And our next guest, if you are a gambler, well, why would you be listening to this network if you weren't? <laughs> and uh, this man you should know very, very well. That is Warren Sharp, one of the best out there at Sharp Football on Twitter, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You see him all over the place, NBC Sports, uh, Ringer Podcast. So we always, uh, always love picking his brain. And Warren, uh, something that you've been diving into has been looking at this schedule release and, and who got who benefited and who got some you know bad draws. So we're going to just kind of pepper you looking at you know the breakdown of the schedule. What was the way and you put a, a video out today and I think it was a, it was a great video that you put out saying don't look at last year's records as strength of schedule. So start us off with the with what you put out there today about basing if you're, you know, looking at making, you know, totals plays this year on on win totals, strength of schedule, what should betters be looking at?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Strength of schedule is important; it is a factor. But what is completely unimportant is a team's win loss percentage last year, and then carrying that over to this year and trying to account for strength of schedule based on opponents you're playing this year and looking at their last year's win-loss record. It means nothing. We've run regression analysis on it. It does nothing. It does not compute whatsoever to help gain an edge in terms of forecasting what's going to happen this year. You've got a couple of options. You could either create your own set of power numbers and you could try to base a strength of schedule on that. You can look at the teams that you're going to face, and every team is going to face uh, all the games that are going to be played, average out the power rankings, and try to do that. But that means that you believe your power numbers are better than the odds makers. The other way to do it is just look at the Vegas win totals. And when you do that, you can average out how strong of a schedule your opponents, uh, how strong opponents you're going to have to have, And uh, that's pretty much the standard that a lot of people now in the industry have shifted to using. That's what I use exclusively on all the public uh, models that I share. And I think it's the closest thing we're going to get to being a good, accurate strength of schedule In May, people think, oh, well, you're saying this in May and what happens during the season? Well, of course, nothing's going to be perfect. We don't know what's going to happen by January of 2022. We'll see what ends up being the strength of schedule, which is why you should look at strength of schedule throughout the season as well, not just here in May when the schedule drops.
1: Warren, as Tim said, you get so deep into some of this stuff, and it's, I just love it. And there's like 15 different things I want to ask you. But I want to jump into this. Uh, you tweeted this earlier about most uh, games versus an opponent off a of buy. Patriots, the only team I'm fading the Patriots this year. Only team with three. You got a you know a bunch of teams with two, some with one, and then about I think 11 with zero. Uh, that's that's got to be something that factors into to a strength of schedule type thing. I know not every team is great off a of bye. I know that certain teams have been Andy Reid coached the Eagles and some other teams, they were phenomenal off the bye. But the only team that has three New England, is that as big of a deal as I think it could be?
2: It is, especially when you look at, you know, one of the things I did is I looked at the last 10 years and I studied which teams are getting screwed the most by the NFL based upon the schedule, because I think everybody just thinks, oh, why are they doing the show on Wednesday night? It's no big deal. We already know who these teams are playing. The win totals have already been set. Completely false. The NFL knows who you're going to play but because based upon the prior year's records, that's how they know who you're going to play. But they tell you when you're going to play these teams, and there's a lot of teams that can get screwed or can benefit based upon how the NFL divvies up these games and what day they put them on and how much rest you have going into the game compared to your opponent. The Patriots have been a team historically that have been working against difficult schedules, but Tom Brady has been so great, and the team has just fought their way through a weak schedule, but a difficult draw in terms of when they're playing these games this year is no different I show them as having the worst net rest differential in the NFL their one bye week is negated because the team that they're going to play after that buy has a buy the very same week that they do, so they don't get a rest advantage during that time. They also play two other teams that are off of a buy, as you indicated. They play four total games against opponents with extra rest, only one team that's on short rest. They have to play four games when they have less rest than their opponent they play a short week road game which is the worst type of game that you could draw when you have less rest and you're on the road it's a brutal combination um and so overall this is a team with a very difficult 2021 schedule based upon not the strength of opponent but simply when the nfl scheduled their games
0: yeah, and they're over under right now for wins is nine as we're talking to Warren Sharp and a team that a lot of people, Warren, are going to be high on in the AFC East. Ten wins last year, four picks in the top 42. It really all comes down to the quarterback play with Tua as Ryan Fitzpatrick has moved on to Washington. And you pointed something out about the schedule for the Dolphins and and uh, really the advantage that they have for almost two months really not going on the road at all. So we'll break down the Miami schedule for us. Even though it's the same division, it feels like there's some advantages uh, within that Dolphins schedule.
2: No doubt there definitely are. You know, The Miami Dolphins, they're one of three teams that have this very unique quirk where uh, they have over a month, between road games and they actually are going to be in miami from november 22nd all the way through the day after christmas which is pretty ridiculous to consider in the nfl there's only four months basically that you're playing football for and over a month 36 days they're not going to have to leave their home base let alone travel to a couple other spots in florida where they have some other games this year we're not we're just talking you don't have to go to a single other road game they also have the Fourth easiest schedule based upon who they play, not when they play, if you're looking at strength of schedule based upon forecasted win totals. Um, so there's a lot to like about Miami's schedule. Uh, Two things that I don't like is they do play two games off of a road Sunday night or Monday night game. That may not sound like a big deal. Okay, so what? They play Sunday night on the road, and then they play a game the next Sunday. Who cares? Well, I could tell you, having talked to some coaches, having talked to some GMs, obviously I work with a few different teams, these guys really do not like their schedules to be altered, to be affected by this travel back home after a Sunday night game or let alone a Monday night game. And the Dolphins play more of those games than any other team in the NFL this season. They also have one other short week road game. So those are a couple of detractors. But, I mean, that schedule late in the season is going to be really nice for those guys.
1: Uh, another thing you pointed out, I love this tweet, by the way, you talked about teams playing Four games with only 17 days separating the first game and the fourth game. Eagles, end of list. Uh, you know, going to more of what you said, that certain teams kind of get screwed. And talk about the Eagles, and that, that's a crazy thing. I mean, it's a Jalen Hurts era. We'll see what they can do there in Philly. I'm not really high on the Eagles this year, uh, as the, the Peterson effect has faded after the Super Bowl. But you look at, at teams playing four games with only 17 days, separating that first game and the fourth game, one team in the NFL. That seems pretty unfair.
2: It is unfair. You know, it does happen from time to time over the course of the last decade, which is the period I studied. No team, though, has had to deal with it more than the Eagles, and they have to deal with it again. So now they lead the pack in teams that are dealing with playing four games with only 17 days separating them. But there's a couple of really unique quirks on top of that, which already sounds terrible to begin with. When you play four games in 17 days, you The only way you can do that is it's a Monday night game. Then you're playing on a Sunday the very next week, which is short rest because you played Monday. Then you play another Sunday, and then you play a short rest game on Thursday. Well, guess who the teams are that they play in each of those short rest spots. They play the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're talking the Super Bowl winner and the Super Bowl runner-up from last year. The Eagles have to play both of those teams on short rest. If that wasn't bad enough, they then have to go on the road for five of their next seven games. Mm. So you got this ridiculous stretch of games in 17 days. Then you go on the road for five of the next seven. There's only six other teams in the NFL this year who have to play on the road in five of seven games. They're one of them. So that stretch of schedule is very difficult. It's going to be difficult for the Eagles to get started on the right foot. The end of the season is a lot better for them. They have the last, I possible, which is week 14. Um, but that break did not work well for them this year.
0: chat with Warren Sharp. You can follow him on Twitter at SharpFootball, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Check out his work, NBC Sports, also uh, with The Ringer as well. Uh, I want to stay in the NFC East. Uh, the Washington football team, you know, a lot of people pointed at the bizarre end of their schedule, Warren. Five consecutive division games to close out the year. I think that the first team in 25 years to have that type of schedule Um, but is that a disadvantage or an advantage for the Washington football team
2: I like it for Washington because you are going to hope like I prefer to play the most difficult teams that I'm going to face and the most important games I'm going to have late because obviously if my team apart with injuries we're screwed but if the opponents fall apart with injuries which they're going to be healthy typically speaking towards the start of the season that's going to give my team which i'm going to hope is healthy the upper hand and in this case i think washington has a really nice stretch there is an interesting tidbit you know one of the things that i do like to pull back from last year's data a little bit and just factor it in to my mind is Uh, Some of the different strengths, like the opposing pass defenses, the opposing run defenses, and we get a sense passing defense correlates a little bit more year over year than does run defense. But one of the interesting nuggets here is that from week 11 to week 18, so the last, what is it, eight games of the season, no team plays an easier schedule of opposing past defenses than does the washington football team so we could see ryan fitzpatrick aka fitzmagic have some nice success down the stretch once this team gains a little bit of chemistry and there will be some growing pains earlier on in the season they don't have a very easy schedule the seventh most difficult schedule overall based on my metrics but down the stretch, when they need to play well, they're going to have some impactful, meaningful games. They're going to get a chance to iron out all their kinks earlier on in the season against the more difficult non-division opponents. I actually don't mind it whatsoever, and if they can do well in that division, we already saw a team with a losing record made the postseason last year. Uh, you really just have to focus on beating these divisional opponents. I think it gives them an extra chance to kind of feel good about some maybe growing pains early in the season.
1: Warren, I I think it's, it's, you know, you delve into all this stuff and you've done this for for such a long time and it's just fascinating what you come up with. I was just wondering when you look at. The way the NFL puts the schedule together, and you obviously find out and you look into the teams that are, you know, kind of having disadvantages or advantages. Do you think that the NFL has a schedule making problem? Is there a certain team or two that, you know, you've been able to, you know, identify over the years that has really had more advantages than most and, and vice versa? Where do you think, where are we at with the NFL and the way they put the schedule together in this true era of parity for the last 20 or so years?
2: Well, this is a loaded question because I'm very passionate about this. I've got a lot of feelings about this topic because I've analyzed this at a in more in-depth process than I think a lot of other people have looked at it. With the study that I've done, I've talked to guys like Peter King, who talks to guys inside the NFL, and you know, there's been the sense that some of the things I was looking at with my study in terms of inequalities with prep and rest variables and these short week road games and opponent days to prepare and things of that nature, the league isn't looking at these things as much as they ought to be. The big thing that the league is looking at is like, okay, well, this team is going to have three straight road games, so let's make sure that they don't have to travel too far on these three straight road games. Primarily they're looking at just putting a schedule together that features compelling matchups, can get some teams into prime time, can make a lot of money. So in general, the answer to your question is they absolutely need to be factoring more of this into the schedule and I'll name just two quick examples of that. The first is Dallas. Dallas gets to host this Thanksgiving game every single year. It's completely unfair to the rest of the league. Obviously the Lions get the same advantage but you're basically factoring in a short week road game for their opponent every single year now what the nfl could do is say fine we'll offset that by making you go on the road and play a thursday game on the road too boom even steven one for one well they actually sent dallas on the road twice on thursday this year but the big problem with the thursday game is the short rest meaning you play sunday now you have to play thursday and you have to go on the road to do it that's very difficult for teams well The league gave Dallas week one on Thursday in Tampa. Well, week one, there's no hurry to get to week one. Like, you've got as much time to prepare for that, plus you get actually 10 days before your next game. That doesn't hurt them. That actually benefits them. Then they gave them a Thursday game the week after Thanksgiving, which they play on Thanksgiving. So now they have the next Thursday that they play. Well, but once again, that's not a short, rest Thursday road game, they're playing on Thursday with a full week to prepare for that game. So that's one example. And the last example is the Indianapolis Colts. This is a team, they've been put on primetime the last five years 14 times, but they've been on the road 12 of the 14. Ten uh, they've been on prime time ten times since 2017. Nine of the ten are on the road. They keep sending this team on the road. This year, they could have put them at home a little bit more often in primetime, three primetime games. Nope. Send them on the road for two of their three primetime games this year. Talk to people in that organization. I mean, they're supremely frustrated about it. They just laugh though every time the schedule comes out because they complained about it, they've moaned about it. They get nowhere, and then the league every single year keeps doing this to them. I'm not quite sure why, but there absolutely are certain issues here that the league needs to fix.
0: Always great insight. Awesome. We could do it for hours upon hours, but uh, it's late back east, and we gotta <laughs> we gotta pay some bills with some commercials. Warren, always appreciate the insight. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Warren Sharp. Fascinating. Follow him on Twitter at sharpfootball, sharpfootballanalysis.com. dot com, and yeah, it is. I mean, when you're you take that information and apply it to the win totals out there. You know, New England, uh, the, the way their schedule yeah. uh, lines the only up. only team of three. You, you talk about Philadelphia, four you games know. in 17 days, and he likes the way Washington's schedule lines up. And He was tweeting about it with, with the weakness of those uh, past defenses in weeks 11 through 18. i Stan Leach. I'm Tim Murray. It is the nightcap. We'll check in on Blazers' sons. Need some more points. Let's go. The nightcap here on VSIN. It is the nightcap here on VSIN, and Dan Leach fired away on what was it? I want
1: not 58. 58 bets. 58 bets. bets. We had 57 for the show startup.
0: Um, What I don't love is I I made one bet today, and I'm not a big totals guy. I looked at the Blazers. I liked the Blazers. I didn't pull the trigger. It was late uh, on the number we talked about last night, 5.5. By the time we looked at it, it was 3.5. Went off 2, and I didn't play it. They're up by 1, start of the second half, but I played the over. 2.34 is where I got it. Closed at 2.37.5. 105 first-half points.
1: What are we doing? Well, listen, I, I, my magic number worked for us last night. I said Damon C.J. McCollum had to combine for 55. They had 56. They won. I, I said it's 60 tonight for you. 35 at the half. I think you can get 25 more in the second half, and that game is going to its gonna sneak into position for you midway through the fourth. Man, I need 130 points here I, in the second half. These two teams,
0: the they total, can do it. The second half total here at Circus is 115. Suns a minus two and a half second half favorite here. Uh, at Circa, so uh, we'll see. Don't feel great, but we will see. Um, Got to get people updated. You bet a, a total.
1: Nothing like a total in May. In the Rangers
0: and Astros game. Oh,
1: year. no, a triple
0: play? No, it was not a triple play, no. but it was close. It was close. So set the stage here. It was 3-3 three to three in the fourth inning. Rangers, inning. Rangers and Astros, yeah, third inning. And now we're in extras at three of three, which is actually not bad no, you got a man starting on second, but somehow uh a double play was just turned a five four three double play yeah. with a man on third, so that's not great, no, but still a man on third
1: top of the uh top of the uh tenth top here. Of the ten so chris Davis was up It was runners on first and second with nobody out a three one count it was actually a three oh count and then a three one count and it he hits into this almost triple play, so now you've got a runner on third. With two down, I'm trying to see who's coming up next. I wanted just one run in each of the top and the bottom of the 10th. I wasn't asking for much, and now I think there's going to be a challenge here uh, by the Rangers' manager, but come on, let's get this done here.
0: I think they're going to see if it was a foul ball or not. I don't think it was. That would be sick. Uh, I I, I welcome that. That would be very good. I welcome the foul ball. That would be very good for you, but, uh, you know, when Jeff Parles is in studio with me, um, it is it is a
1: tradition unlike any
0: other. other well, it's no-hitters. He's been in studio for three no-hitters this year.
1: Two and three, what, four days or whatever. Like.
0: And uh, he also, we have always kept an eye on these extra-inning bad beats, which I think this would classify <laughs> yeah. as one. You're, you know, A total of nine, it's three to three in the extra, but you get that man on second base. That's why we've continued to say, if you're going to bet totals and you like an under first 5 you just with with the potential of extra innings, Dan, you just it is it is nerve-wracking oh. because it's 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 an unfair advantage. It's super
1: unfair. When you have
0: a guy starting on second base,
1: yeah, and I'll tell you this. Now I might be rooting for both teams not to score in the 10th in in inning because I mentioned I didn't. You Eagles. really need the road team to, to get yes, that run. Yes, I need the road team to get the run. I had a game a week or so ago with the Angels. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting who they played. That's how much I really cared about the game itself. Sure. And I they I had like an over eight and a half. They had scored four, five runs going into extras. They scored six runs in extras combined. So I need something like that, a, a runs palooza, if you will. It's a one-two count on Abreu, by the way. So I, I think now I got to root for no runs in the tenth and a bunch of runs in the eleventh. Eleven's a lucky number for me. So there producer
0: Aaron Oster is on the Marlins tonight, so we're cheering for the Marlins. He took a little plus money on the Marlins at the Diamondbacks tonight. They lead two to one. Trevor Rogers on the hill uh, against those Diamondbacks. Um, oh, I'm sorry, not plus money. Uh, they, the Marlins were a, a, a slight favorite. The Rogers on the uh, minus one nineteen. Yeah, but with with Rogers, the Diamondbacks. That I mean. Can't fault that play whatsoever. No. And 2-1. Uh, to one. That max can't score. No. And I uh, haven't decided if I should go. I've yes. got tickets on Sunday. So my Nats, you know, living out here. We, we could drive to San Diego. We can drive to Los Angeles. They opened the season at the Dodgers. The Nats did. Or they opened the Dodgers home opener was the Nationals. So I couldn't get there. Uh, I think the Padres is a midweek series. Got work. The Diamondbacks is my really only shot here to go catch, you know, my hometown team in in a in a driving shot. I've got tickets, I got the hookup. Do I go? You
1: 100% go. You're a big coffee guy. Drink that coffee. I'll, got, I'll get you another iced one like I've done every day. I'll stop kindness. by the
0: South Point. You'll, you'll yeah. still be up. You'll still be on the blackjack table at you know 7 when I'm driving to Arizona. I'll
1: probably be up until 8 in the morning. Yeah, so you, so you got I'll, plenty of time.
0: You'll just, you'll just kind of give me a, that iced coffee, and we'll be on our way.
1: Yeah, you got to go. And You mentioned you had not been to a pro game in a while.
0: you got to do it. I haven't been to a live sporting event since November of... 19.
1: I went to see Michigan playing it. I mean, they lost to UCLA, but I saw them against LSU, too. It was one of the coolest things I've done.
0: You know that whole thing going, how it started, how it's going? Oh, yeah. I've got the best one for you guys coming up next right here on the Nightcap. Indeed believes less is more. That's why they have powerful tools to help you source, screen, and hire quality people faster. Learn more at indeed.com/slash/credit. It is the nightcap here on VSIM. We'll talk to Brad Evans, good friend of the program, top of the hour. Sure, he's already got some plays in the futures market. So of we course. will we will chat with Brad coming up at the uh, top of the hour. Big, uh, you know, with his fantasy background, really that's how he kind of cut his teeth. Right, got in this and now you incorporate fantasy into gambling so much with the prop bets, the season prop bets, the the game prop bets. He is a a big time better and and there are people out there uh that find real advantages in the marketplace when it comes to, you know, yardage prop oh, yeah. bets. It, it's a I haven't fully gotten into it, but I know a lot of those fantasy folks out there that have you know, spent their, that's their job is to, to look at fantasy. Now you can incorporate it into, into
1: gambling. Yeah. Well, we, we had Warren Sharpe earlier, and he actually talked about uh, through his guy, Lord Reeves, about quarterbacks. They're going to dominate early Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Mayfield cousins, Sam Darnold. And you, you, there's advantages. If you can just kind of hone in on people like Brad and others and, and see where the, the trends are going and see why there's advantages in the schedule or, you know, in matchups, you really can make some money with some of these props and some of the ways that fantasy has really evolved to not just drafting a lineup and setting it and trying to win against, you know, 100,000 different people. It, there are really a lot of ways to make money these days. It's awesome.
0: Quick update on uh, on the Blazers and Suns. I might need some overtime here. That might be uh, my saving grace. 75-72.
1: When we're climbing closer to the 60. you got 21 to go with about, what, 15 uh, or so minutes left in the game. It could happen. It could not feeling great. I mean, two thirty four was
0: what I got. It went off two thirty seven and a half. So you know, got that great closing line value that we always look <laughs> for. Uh, but uh, it is a seventy eight seventy two Suns lead right now over the Portland Trailblazers.
1: I'm looking uh, for the live line for you. Uh, but
0: we'll uh, halftime line with Suns minus two and a half, which is uh, which is. Being covered right now.
1: You want to know what your live uh, total is? You want? You, Not I don't know really. If you, I don't know if you want to know it. What is it? I'm going to tell you. Two sixteen and a half. Yeah. I mean, you're close. Ish. Yeah. Not really. Only only
0: seventeen and a half points off. Yeah. It pretty could close. Be a
1: fourth quarter explosion.
0: But yeah, we'll see. Overtime. Overtime. <laughs> overtime you're good. Is what I'm needing right Overtime's
1: here. time's going I'm in overtime in this freaking Houston game. Yeah. And they just did score a run again. Top of the eleventh. Uh, no run scored. They had first and third. Uh, with two outs, nothing in. So now i got to hope for a top of the 12th inning or another Grand Slam.
0: So we talked some game of the year lines to start the show. Uh, and the folks at DraftKings also have week two already up. And there's some interesting uh, matchups in week two. I'm sure you'll you know take the points with the Jaguars at home against Denver. Because obviously you are uh, all in on, on the Lawrence and Meyer train there.
1: And don't forget Travis Etienne. Yes,
0: Travis Etienne, rookie, rookie of the year, 20 guy. guy. Um, a couple games that jump out at me. Uh, Carolina at home catching points against the Saints. Uh, you know, you getting a home dog in Carolina. I think Carolina should uh, improve this year. Uh, they go add J.C. Horn in the first round, but they trade for Sam Darnold. I like that move. And I just I am fading the Saints this year. I'm not a I believer. I'm not a believer in the Saints. You know they they got. I thought you loved Taysom Hill. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> they got the benefit of the doubt. By the way, we'll, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Uh, if you like Ian Book, 33 to one to be the Week One starter. That's huh? not a homer play, huh? No, I don't want. No thanks. Um, I would be surprised if he was. But Carolina plus two and a half at home, uh, and I think that thing might rise. That one jumps out at me. Thursday night football. Washington on a short week against the Giants. Um, Washington is laying three and a half. It'll be a week removed uh, from playing the Chargers. But I think the Giants are an improved team this year. I think this is a, a step in the you know a, a step up. And I, my worry about Washington, I, I like them in Week One getting points. Yeah, I you don't really like, like them laying. Three and a half. This this feel this is a division game. This feels like it's going to be a close one, and uh, I I would look on a short week to uh, to back the Giants here, getting three and a half at Washington on Thursday night.
1: Giants are, and we talked about this last night. The Giants are this just weird enigma. I don't believe in Daniel Jones, Daniel Dimes at all, but they get Saquon Barkley back. Yep, they they stole Kenny Galladay from my Lions. Well, they didn't really steal him, but you know that's he's a great receiver. I think he's top five in the league, and they could be interesting. I just don't know if I can. That's a weird, weird game, but I definitely would leave the Giants like you would in that one. The two for me, and and you know you're gonna love this, but Monday Night Football, okay. Lions at Packers. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. But this is the thing: the Lions have covered five of seven against Green Bay against the spread. It's not like the Lions are starting a rookie that's you know drafted in the, the fifth round. Jerry Jared Goff, you know, is played played last year in the yeah. field against Aaron Rodgers and hung in there. So. The Lions are not going to be a good team, but let's got to see where that line's going to go. You get seven in the hook right now. It might go to 10. Who knows? That could be a a, a sneaky cover for the Lions. And the other one is Cowboys at Chargers. Completely fading the Cowboys. I know that it might be to my own detriment. I know you like the Chargers. Chargers at home, minus one and a half. I love Justin Herbert. I think the Cowboys are going to be overrated once again. I would lay that one and a half right now. The Chargers win that game and might win it by a touchdown.
0: Another game that, that jumps out uh, Sunday night football. You got Chiefs at the Ravens. We saw a, a similar. We saw this game last year on Monday night football. Chiefs. Everybody's going to be on the Chiefs in that spot. Oh, for sure. Under a field are. goal. So, I, knowing me, I will. I will look probably to take the home dog there in the Baltimore Give Ravens. Give me action, Jackson. I'm with you. So, so we'll see if Lamar Jackson. But uh, that is the. There's no doubt the biggest game of the. Uh, of week two um, Atlanta at Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay will have that extended week, right? They, they open up the season. I, I am a little bit bullish on the Atlanta Falcons this year, getting seven and a half at Tampa Bay. Can the Falcons with that offense Falcons defense is going to be bad. Gonna it's going to be real a sin, bad,
1: but they're going to score a lot but of what they
0: have. If they don't trade Julio Jones, they've got mismatched nightmares all over the place. Julio Jones, uh, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, can Matt Ryan find a little bit of form? Everybody talks about Arthur Smith is so glowing of him. Now, he's a first-time head coach, obviously, on the road taking on Tampa Bay, a division game, getting north of a touchdown. I would look to take the points with the Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay.
1: mean, that's a lot of points. And think about last year and the year before, and the Falcons had their injuries, Julio Jones in and out, and, and other banged-up skill players – but you you look at the Falcons who covered a lot of games late, games they they should have been in, games against teams like New Orleans where they were getting you know double digit points, and that's a lot of points for a divisional game. I mean, yeah, it's the Super Bowl champs. They're going to be you know incredibly good uh, you know in twenty twenty one. But I, and once again, a, another key number seven and three. Uh, it's a seven and a hook. You, you know, it's a, as you mentioned, a divisional game, and you mentioned Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to score a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. And I could see him being the kind of guy late in the game. You know, maybe they're down, you know, 12 points, and with 45 seconds left, Pitts gets a touchdown from Ryan, and they cover that. That's way too many points uh, for that early in the season for me. He had 43 receptions. Now, his former college teammate
0: will be the backup there in Tampa, Kyle Trask. Yeah. He had a lot of touchdowns last year. He had 43 receptions, 12 of them were touchdowns last year. And who guards Kyle Pitts? Who guards Kyle Pitts? No that, one. That's what's so fascinating. You're going to sense a theme here: Cincinnati at Chicago. Chicago right now laying four and a half against Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bengals squad. It's actually come down as we, we put these yeah. we put this graphic together. It was five. It's gone down to four and a half. Give me the Bengals. Give me the Bengals to cover this spread. I love the playmakers that they have. I mean, this is an offense that you know prior to the injury to Joe Burrow, and we got to see the health, but we're assuming health at this point in time. You add Jamar Chase, yep. the hands-down most talented receiver in this year's draft class, to a receiver core that's already pretty solid. in Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and T. Higgins had a hell of a year last year. There was R- already a connection. Sneaky too. So you've got these weapons. Chicago, yes, was a playoff team last year. Are they still going to be starting Andy Dalton by week two? I know you predicted he's benched. By halftime yeah, of week one. Maybe the second quarter. Um, so, per Dan, it's going to be the uh, first start for Justin Fields that day at home. Give me those points. Give me the points with Cincinnati at uh, on the road with those offensive weapons. Uh, I, like, uh, I like what I see in Cincinnati, getting points on the road at, C- at Chicago.
1: All due respect to Strawberry Fields, he might be great down the road. I think the Bears are not going to be that. I mean, Matt Nagy, in a way, coaching for his job, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of, Pressure and you know forcing the issue at times, especially if he has to go to Justin Fields early. If let's say Dalton throws like four or five interceptions in the first game uh, or the first week. I, the Bengals with with Joe Burrow, and you mentioned the receiving core, and the defense better than, you know, they got some holes in, in some spots, uh, especially in the secondary. But I think that you look at the Bengals, they're going to score a lot of points. And you brought up Jamar Chase, and I'm 100% with you as far as and you got Waddle. You got, you know, a lot of talented Devonta Smith, the Heisman winner, a lot of talented receivers. He is the specimen. He is like Kyle Pitts is going to dominate, I think, even on on teams that might not be super playoff teams. But it's one of these things where, that's way, I mean, you mentioned it went down from five to four. Even at three and a half, it would be too many points for me to lay with a team in, in Chicago that I don't have a ton, of, especially early season trust in. So I'm definitely, I mean, that could be a money line play as well.
0: Yeah, there's uh, no doubt about it. All right, so DraftKings come tomorrow. Now we need week three lines. So, you know, keep, yeah. uh, keep coming out. You Every know, other day. Yeah, I, you know, I'm greedy. Okay, we had week one. That was great. We talked about that yesterday. We had games of the year. And now uh, we we had week two. All right, week three tomorrow. All right, let, let's work. I'll I do you're asking too much. I'll call Johnny tonight. We'll we'll, we'll set it up. We'll we'll be in. Uh, we'll we'll be all squared away. 88, uh, 82, early fourth quarter. I'm in trouble here. Uh,
1: up. So and, am I.
0: Yeah, you lost.
1: There's the reverse. The reverse bush did not work. You first tried. Loss. You were try, I felt like you were
0: trying too hard. I was, trying too hard. I was way, trying too hard. By the way, the Cincinnati Reds were down ten to nothing to the Rockies. It's 10-8
1: in the top of the eighth inning. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like the Tigers were up 7-0 on the Royals. They came back and scored 7 unanswered. Tigers win 8-7. Not that I was ever going to touch that game. Somehow. every so, Somehow he can weave in Detroit.
0: Just somehow, someway he can weave in Detroit. Brad Evans, he can weave in Chicago and yes. Illinois into every conversation. And he's coming up next. Stick around. It's the Nightcap here on v